two missing girls. I haven't seen my daughter in, in over a month. I don't know what happened to her. A decade of mystery. Ten years ago today, Kara Kopetsky disappeared. Security video shows her walking out of her Belton High School, and no one has seen her since. One thing in common. Kara's ex-boyfriend, Kyler Used. Kyler Used in the custody in Edwards, Missouri. Kyler Used. It's Kyler Used. Kyler Used. And the murder trial that could end it all. I don't know anything about where she is or about what happened. I wish I did. Journey for Justice, the trial of Kyler Eust. Kyler, where's Jessica? I have no idea, sir. A limited series on 41 Files by 41 Action News. Welcome back to our limited series on the murder trial of Kyler Eust. It is a portion of 41 Files with 41 Action News. I'm Caitlin Brown. I'm a digital producer here at 41 Action News. And I'm Haley Godburn. I am also a digital producer, and we are now podcasters as well. Um, today, we're joined by Andy Alcock. Um, Andy, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. So uh, I'm part of the I team here at 41 Action News. I uh, came to Kansas City in August of 2015, and uh, my involvement really uh, amped up um, in this particular case uh, with the discovery of the uh remains uh, that turned out to be uh, the two missing girls uh, back in 2017. Right. So like Andy talked about, um, we're covering the disappearance of Kara Kapetsky and Jessica Runyons, and those are the remains that were found. Um, we just want to bring this podcast to you because local news is important, and this is a really big trial to the area and will, I think, have a big lasting effect on the area. I think it's really important for people in Kansas City to understand how these kinds of investigations are conducted and how safe, you know, we are in the area. Right. So in the first two episodes, we kind of covered Kara and Jessica's disappearances, you know, almost an entire decade apart, they went missing. Um, when Jessica went missing, Kara still hadn't even been found yet. And Kyler had been arrested for um, allegedly burning Jessica's car. Um, which was found. And uh, a few months later, um, after Jessica went missing, I think it was about seven months, that timeline, um, both of their bodies were found not too far away from each other. And uh, Kyler was charged with murder um, in October of 2017. Um, so it had been more a decade in the making, those charges. Um, and so now kind of where we stand is the trial is about to start in April. Um, and so we kind of wanted to just bring Andy in to talk a little bit more about the case. Right. So just to refresh everyone, we in the last two episodes went over a lot of the witness testimony and evidence that has been presented in the case of the missing girls. And um, we just want to refresh you on that. You can also find it at KSHB dot com slash used trial if you'd like to follow along or read more in depth. So we have several, several witnesses who have told police at some point that Kyler used admitted to them that he either harmed past girlfriends, that he, he harmed Kara, or that he harmed Jessica, and even told a few people that he placed the bodies in the woods. And now we know that their bodies have actually been found in a wooded area. So that sort of lines up. We also have the fact that Kyler was a convicted of domestic abuse in the past with past girlfriends. And then there's the fact that Kyler's stepbrother, Jessup, sees him burn Jessica Runyon's car. And Kyler has burns and scratches on his face when he is arrested by police. 
There's also the issue with Kyler telling police about his calls with Kara that don't mess up, match up with her actual phone records. So all of this is not looking so great for Kyler so far. And I want to bring Andy in here just kind of based off this different you know, set of evidence, what do you think the prosecution will lean on and what do you think the defense will push back hard against? Caitlin, I think, first of all, the most important thing that happened in this case, uh, for sure, was the discovery of the bodies. And it, because really, we, you know, we didn't know. Now, there was a lot of circumstantial evidence. Uh, detectives had certainly um, interviewed, uh, used himself. And you mentioned the discrepancy in the phone calls, uh, for example, and uh, some other witnesses claiming that you told them that they killed him. But the fact now that they have that DNA evidence and that uh, it's been matched up uh, with uh, both of these girls um, is certainly an important factor. Uh, the other thing, too, is that uh, the, very clearly uh, is that use is connected to uh, both these young ladies. Uh, in the instance of, of Kara, for example, um, they absolutely were dating. Uh, in fact, right uh, prior to her, her disappearance, uh, used uh, told police, uh, in fact, admitted to police that uh, he had kidnapped her. And uh, she was uh, she obtained a, an emergency uh, order of protection uh, against him. Uh, in the case of Jessica, uh, witnesses saw that uh, he left the same party with her, and that uh, they, they court records say that uh, he was acting very possessively uh, of her at that particular party, um, and uh, that uh, you know. So we know that uh, he had has a connection to both uh, young women. Uh, so obviously, um, that's important from the prosecution perspective. Um, from the defense perspective, um, we don't have anybody who actually saw Kyler Use kill these young women. So they, so the the prosecution has to build a case based on the you know the discovery of the bodies and uh, testimony from people about what Use uh, has said or hasn't said. And I, I know that there has been. Uh, I, I think in one instance, he told a uh, Belton police detective, uh, supposedly, uh, according to court records, uh, he admitted to uh, killing Kara. And uh, so I know that uh, the defense team is trying to, uh, to get that particular statement uh, tossed out as being coerced. So, you know, you, you certainly have that. Um, I guess the other thing from the defense uh, perspective, too, is just the time frame, you know, as you mentioned, I mean, when we're talking about uh, the, the disappearance of a young lady um, in May of 2007, and here we are in 2021, you know, I mean, she was 17 at the time. If she was alive today, she'd be 31. That's almost an entire lifetime that has passed uh, since, you know, she was last seen, her lifetime, uh, that is. And, and so um, you're going to have uh, some some gaps. Uh, that's why the discovery, I think, has taken so long. You've had people who um, have retired uh, from the Belton Police Department. Uh, they had to go back and find various records and 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 so forth. And then uh, there's also uh, this whole issue that the defense uh, previously ha has brought up uh, in court, uh, supposedly accusing a. Uh, a uh, rogue uh, Kansas City police officer of kind of conducting his own investigation and uh, having sex with someone involved in the case and having inappropriate conduct with somebody else in the case. So, uh, you know, there's certainly a lot of variables here. Andy, there have been a lot of delays in this trial because of those. It's been several years since he was charged. I mentioned he was charged in October of 2017. That's 
around four and a half years ago. Um, and uh, I just want to point out too that due to the high publicity of this case in the area, the uh, jury is coming from St. Charles County. Um, as it stands right now, the trial is still going to happen in Cass County. Um, and that's an agreement that's been agreed upon by both parties. But there had just been delay after delay after delay, like you mentioned, due to discovery, due to mental evaluation. Um, and of course, due to the COVID-19 pandemic, you know, I think this case, Caitlin, correct me if I'm wrong, but it was supposed to happen sometime last year. This yeah, trial. July of 2020. Yeah. And so COVID just like it has everything else through a huge wrench in those plans. Andy, can you talk to us a little bit about um, some of these attempts the defense has made to delay the trial um, and what kinds of evidence they might still be pushing for? Well, I, I think obviously the defense is trying to be as thorough as possible. They want to know exactly what the cases against their clients. And, and I think there's been, part of it is there's been some duplication. I know that, uh, you know, for example, they, they asked uh, for various files uh, that are in, in various computer forms. And I, and I think in some instances, there's duplication. In some instances, there's not duplication. Uh, and I know uh, one of the things that that certainly has come up is that, uh, you know, even the, the, uh, the judge, uh, at least from the defense's point of view, uh, told us really a couple of years ago um, that uh, they felt that he was just very impatient with the pace of, of the way things were going, um, which was why there was a, a motion uh, by the defense uh, to have the judge in the, in the case tossed, which uh, was uh, another judge ruled against that. So uh, the judge is going to remain on this case, but um, they seem to feel that, uh, you know, there's uh, sort of a bias to to uh, you know to move forward um, and and not be as thorough as possible and uh, you know they certainly raise that actually publicly um, and I, I think you know certainly we don't know what's going to happen with a trial uh, everybody's presumed innocent until they're proven guilty um, but I, I think certainly uh, a lot of what of what the defense is doing now too um, could potentially be used in an appeal if used is found guilty. So, you know, they have to sort of set the, the groundwork for that in advance. And I think that's part of what they're doing now. So I just want to remind everyone about Jessup Carter. And he is Kyler Yu's stepbrother. And he is actually the person who led police to arrest Kyler because he witnessed Kyler burning Jessica Runyon's car. I, we could all assume that he would have been one of the key witnesses in convicting Kyler. However... Jessup was in jail on his own unrelated charges and was found dead in his jail cell. So that is one key piece of testimony that the prosecution has lost. Andy, what do you think this means for the case? Well, it's hard to say. You know, I, I, obviously they do have a lot of other witnesses. Uh, I, I will point out, uh, you know, it was just a, a tremendous uh, get by uh, 41 Action News is Andres Gutierrez uh, in Henry County a few years ago when he actually interviewed Jessup Carter. And Carter, as much as said that, uh, you know, uh, he and, and the rest of their family uh, didn't approve of what Kyler did. So, you know, he was certainly aware of what happened. And uh, he basically is, or, you know, he's on record uh, in the court record already as, as telling um, investigators in the case that, you uh, uh, he that used uh, approached him about burning the car. Uh, he told the detectives that used told him that uh, he had, had killed uh, Jessica Runyon's and choked her, uh, much like other witnesses claim uh, he did with Kara Kopetsky. Um, and then he uh, used asked him to uh, to help burn the car. 
And then I guess, uh, according to the court records, uh, Houston inadvertently burned himself on his face and his arms and in various areas. And uh, Carter uh, took him to his place uh, and let him hide out there. But I guess <clears throat> at some point, uh, his conscience uh, got the better of him and he, he uh, called the police and, and police arrested use uh, without incident. And he still had those, uh, those burn marks. And at that point, he was not charged with the, with the, uh, the deaths of, of these girls because, you know, we, we didn't know, um, you know, what the deal was with their bodies and, and uh, their identification and all that. And, and obviously, subsequently, uh, that did, in fact, happen. I know you've done a lot of coverage on Jessup Carter, um, and particularly one story I was wondering if you could talk about was there is an FBI probe into Jessup's death. Do you have any information you can share with us on that? Well, I think the one thing about uh, the the FBI typically is is they're pretty tight tight lipped about this stuff. Um, and you know, uh, from what at least what we know publicly is, or what we've been told is that it it, it was an apparent suicide. Um, if there is foul play involved, I think you know maybe that will come out in the wash at some point. But uh, at least at, at this point, there doesn't seem to be any indication um, that is the case, um, you know, but obviously the fact that uh, it, much like uh, Caitlin mentioned that he uh, was likely going to be a, a key witness uh, in, in these, in the use murder trial, um, you know, certainly at least raises the question of, you know, was somebody doing uh, Kyler's bidding, you know, would he have his own half brother killed uh, in jail to protect himself? I mean, you know, I, I guess uh, that that's, those are questions that I think people can at least ask, uh, but it, at least at this point, there we really don't have any information to suggest that foul play uh, is involved. Um, perhaps at some point, uh, like I said, that might come out. Maybe it might even come out at, at the trial if the FBI uh, has enough information, but uh, at least at this point, it appears to be a suicide. Andy, do you have any insight on, so a death in prison, is that something the FBI would typically look into, or do you think they are particularly interested in this case because of his ties to Kyler Use and the fact that he was going to be a key witness in the trial. Yeah, I think that's probably true. I, I think uh, that might not necessarily be something that happens, you know. And, and of course, the other thing too is is that um, I think it may also be at least a, in part about uh, holding the jail accountable because you know they have to be watching these folks. And if there's any indication that that somebody's going to, you know, do something like that, um, you know, they're going to be under uh, surveillance. Uh, and and certainly, you know, they check on these people. It doesn't necessarily prevent somebody that that is motivated to uh, to take their own life uh, from doing it. But but part of of you know the reason somebody is in jail um, is to hold them until they can appear in court for, for whatever reason. And ultimately it's the responsibility of the jail to make sure that uh, that person or witness or whoever it might be um, is safe until they have, have that time in court. Like two years ago, you did a story about how they were pushing for new DNA evidence. If you remember that, what kind of DNA evidence were they looking for? Like this was well after they had identified the bodies. What was this DNA evidence they wanted to find? I think they, uh, I think they just wanted to, uh, perhaps, you know, they wanted to have their own uh, folks um, looking at uh, the remains 
and and see if they you know came to the same conclusion as uh, as the investigators. Uh, so they wanted you know basically to double check because obviously I mean that is a very key piece of evidence. You know the fact that they've got the remains of of both of these young women um, and they've been identified as the two missing girls and the ties that we mentioned to Kyler used um, in the past. Um, they want to have a hundred percent certainty that. These are, in fact, uh, the young ladies, because uh, that that's a that's a critical piece of evidence. Do you know um, we know witnesses have said Kyler told them that he strangled both girls. Have they released cause of death or are they saving that for trial? Where do we stand there? At least in the discovery that I've seen, I, I you know, it mentions that. But I, I think, of course, you have to remember, too, um, I think it would be very difficult to prove uh, with these remains, you know, in, in, in uh, uh, Jessica's, Jessica's case, it was, you know, months, um, you know, that, that her body was in the woods. So obviously there's, a, you know, going to be a lot of uh, decomposition. Uh, sorry to be, you know, uh, it's obviously a, a horrible thing for, for the family, but, you know, and then when you're talking about Kara, we're talking about a decade. Um, so, you know, trying to, to determine a, a cause of death, from those kind of remains, I think would be very challenging, uh, to say the least. Um, so I think you have to rely pretty much on, uh, you know, what they have in terms of the witness statements, that type of thing. And I do want to bring up that shortly before we started recording this episode, uh, the charges, there were two charges filed against Kyler for abandonment of a corpse. And those were actually dropped right before we started recording this. How do you think that will play into, um, maybe the prosecution of the murder charges. Now they can focus on the main charges. Okay. Uh, and I, I think, you know, a lot of times what happens is um, in particular, I mean, we're talking about, you know, two murder charges. If, if he's found guilty, I think those other ca- uh, charges really wouldn't factor into, into the time that he's, he spends in prison. If he's sentenced to, you know, for example, to life in prison, you know, it does it doesn't really matter. You know, you, you would be you'd be uh, serving you know both of those sentences together anyway. So I, I think um, it you know, and, and I think maybe um, also um, you know the proof of those particular charges might be a little bit more challenging maybe than the murder charges. Uh, you know, because it, we other than people hearing secondhand what uh, you know or hearing from used himself what he said he did. We don't have anybody that actually saw uh, used put those bodies in the woods. So if you don't have that, you know, uh, where are you going to, where's the evidence to uh, convict him? So maybe, you know, it's, it's, I think, you know, maybe this was a, this, this might help aid in his prosecution. Uh, it might ex- also potentially expedite uh, the trial. Certainly it will expedite jury instructions uh, if, if we get to that point. So something I don't want to get lost in all of these details we've talked about this episode is what exactly this trial means for the community. And Andy, on the last couple episodes, Caitlin and I and Sarah, um, we all talked about as women who grew up in the Kansas City area, kind of what this trial um, means to us and how we saw it develop over the years. Um, And I know you maybe don't have that background as somebody who grew up here, but can you talk about in the last five to six years that you've been here? what what you've seen it it mean to the community and how you think the outcome of this trial will affect the community 
Well, certainly it's had a major impact. Uh, and I, I think, you know, you, you, first of all, you know, we're talking about uh, the community of Belton, which is, uh, you know, a relatively uh, small uh, suburban area. So, you know, a lot of the people there know each other. They grew up with each other. They went to school with each other. And I, I think, you know, I, I kind of touched on this a little bit, but imagine, uh, and, and I'm a parent myself, imagine, you know, having your child disappear uh, from high school one day as a 17-year-old. And you don't know anything about that. I mean, you have theories, you know, you, you may have some idea of what happened, but you don't know for sure for over a decade. Think about what that must do. Uh, and it, and the community as well, uh, because, you know, we, uh, when there was the um, discovery of the remains and, and they were identified, uh, I, one of the follow-up stories I did um, was uh, there were people that went out there, not, you know, not family, um, not even necessarily close friends of the family. I talked to a woman that went to, to high school with, uh, with uh, Cara's mother. Um, that was out there. Um, and, you know, they had the two crosses that were put out there and, and people, you know, left uh, various things uh, to, to remember these young women. Uh, you know, I mean, we're talking about very young women who had their lives cut very, very short. That's a terrible, terrible thing. Um, and of course, you know, that's going to impact a community, uh, particularly, you know, the size of Belton, where I think probably, you know, one of the reasons people might live there is, is that, you know, they're sort of, you know, away from, uh, you know, the urban issues that, that uh, we might have, say, in, in Kansas City, and, and you might, you know, feel safe to, to raise your family and, and that type of thing. So that, you know, really kind of uh, breaks that bubble. Um, and so, you know, obviously, uh, I, I think the, the, uh, the folks that live there, and certainly all of the people around Kansas City um, that have followed this case for, for so many years, um, you know, want to see an ult ultimate resolution uh, one way or another. I just want to thank you, Andy, for that perspective and for joining us today. Um, you're certainly definitely obvious that you're one of our investigators as you've dived so deep into this in recent years. And we're just going to leave off there again. Um, for this episode. And next time we'll bring Dan Andy back and Sarah back. And we'll also be joined by Andres Gutierrez. And we're just going to talk about what it's like as a reporter to tackle a story this big over a decade. And even like the emotional toll it takes connecting with the family and that kind of thing. So I just want to remind you, you can find information on this case at kshb.com slash used trial. And if you want to dig more into that, we encourage you to join us there. Um, and so I'm Caitlin Brown. And I'm Haley Godburn. See you next time.